Welcome back to Viewpoints. My name's Rob Kelly and I'm the Digital Technologies Teacher at Berwick Lodge Primary School. Now, normally this would be Henry talking to you, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. Henry asked me to come on the show uh, and to um, have an interview with him, but I suggested I'd interview him instead because Henry's been doing Viewpoints for 17 years now, uh, which is uh, fantastic. So I thought we should do an interview with him. Henry, welcome to your own show. Thank you, Robert. It's, uh, it's a bit of a change. <laughs> <laughs> Something different. Absolutely. So, Henry, you're um, the principal at Berwick Lodge Primary School, uh, also an author and a coach and mentor as well. Uh, of those three things, what has had the most impact on your life so far? Oh, well, clearly being the founding principal of Berwick Lodge has had by far and away the greatest impact uh, on me. Uh, it was uncharted waters, uh, all those years ago, 29 years ago, when I was appointed wow. to Berwick Lodge Primary School as the founding principal, um, I had uh, a lot of excitement uh, in that decision. I really didn't know what it entailed and I never thought I'd still be here 29 years later, but uh, by far and away, that's been the most profound impact uh, uh, of those three things. Wow. So that's yeah, that's a, going back quite some time. Um, are the staff still the same? Has the staff changed? Are, you, are they the founding, founding principal of Berwick Lodge, but are there still staff members that were around from day one as well? That you Yes, there the were school? 18 people um, at the founding of the school when we opened in 1990, 18 staff members in total. I was the only one who was locally selected, actually. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, staff, local selection didn't come in until some years later, so I was selected uh, by a panel. Okay. Uh, all the others were appointed centrally by the Department of Education. Right. And uh, of the original 18, and there were 200 children when we opened, and we spent term one at Berwick Primary School at the old historical site, which is now a wow, lovely a cafe, cafe yeah. there, down there near the corner at uh, the High Street. Um, and uh, only one remains along with me, Bernadette Kelly. Bernadette Kelly, I know, I know Bernadette. Um, what's been uh, your biggest challenge, do you think, uh, being the being the principal of Berwick Lodge? Has there been one thing that stands out the most to you that's been the most challenging over the years that you've been at the school? Well, that's a good question, Robert, because um, there are many challenges uh, and separating one as being more challenging than the other, I think, uh, makes it uh, is hard to do. Uh, mm. I, I would have initially said, um, if you'd asked me this before I started, that to stay in a place for 29 years and still have the fire in the belly and right. be uh, satisfied with what you're doing uh, would have been my biggest challenge prior to achieving sure. that. Um, my biggest challenge, I guess, is dealing with frustration at times when... Uh, government or department policy uh, isn't how I would uh, see it or the way it's delivered. But um, as I say with my staff and everyone else and families too, if you're in the team and you're choosing to be in the team, uh, you've got to find a way to make it work. And I think over the 29 years, whilst I've certainly had my clashes with bureaucracy and government, uh, I'm proud to say that um, I'm, I'm still principal of a, a quality government uh, school. Uh, Berwick Lodge is a fantastic, fantastic place to work, uh, and that is down to you, Henry, and what you've um, and what you've laid down in terms of the foundation of the school. Um, so, apart from the being a principal, uh, you're also uh, an author and writer. Um, when did you get into writing? Well, the interesting you should say that, Robert. I've always been into writing. I loved reading books when I was young. I had an auntie on my mother's side who was. Uh, 
my mother told me, was a poet of some sort in Germany. I've never been able to track her down, but she had a love of writing. And my father was a very scholarly man in Poland. Um, writing's always come easily to me. And uh, I, I, I guess probably I didn't realise uh, the talent I had in that, uh, except when I look back in hindsight, in year 12, right. uh, it was then matriculation. I did a math science course, oh, wow. physics, chem, the two maths. And I was good at those subjects and English was compulsory. Um, uh, I was banned for three quarters of the year from doing homework because <laughs> I, uh, from the English classes because uh, I, I didn't really do it in the term one and uh, yet I still got top marks. Wow. And at the end of the year in the three-hour exam, I walked out after 90 minutes having oh, completed it, wow. but completed it well. Wow. Uh, and uh, I, looking back, I probably had some talent in the area of um, expressive writing. Oh, fantastic. And then you get, with uh, expressive writing and creative writing, then that yep. led you to, uh, in your early years, as I understand it, as a um, teacher, to yes. um, write some children's plays, I think they were initially. Yes, I wrote in my first year of teaching, 1990, I, I was really wrapped up in Doctor's Use and we used to read the kids the stories and kids loved the stories back then in the uh, 1970s. Right. And at the end of the year, I was at Niram North Primary School, a little rural school, and uh, we had to put on a concert and in those little country towns... Those sort of things are big celebrations. Absolutely. There's a barbecue and everybody joins in and it's rollicking good fun. And I thought, well, I'll do something creative as a way of thanking the community for having me there. And I wrote a little a little play called, a rhyming play in, in the vein of uh, Dr. Juice called Bertie Bushfly. Oh, wow. And the first page goes way up in the sky with my little eye, I spied a fly. Ho, ho, none other than Bertie Bushfly. Flying high up in the sky. So Fantastic. there were 14 children in the school and uh, I think it was Neil Bransgrove was the grade six student <laughs> and he was a good reader. I and still so, remember. Uh, well, you, yes, I do. Yeah. It was a fondest of memories of my days at Niram North. Well, in all my schools. But uh, he was the narrator, so he read it out and the other 13 children my acted the the story. Oh, terrific. And from there, uh, I uh, I wrote another three or four before I did national service uh, that um, that uh, summer. Um, I didn't get much uh, encouragement from the publishing houses and so they lay buried for decades and decades until wow. some years ago at Berwick Lodge we unearthed them and got an illustrator and revamped them and wrote them and I think you encouraged me to write about three years ago, and I hadn't written children's stories for 40 years, write, write another story which uh, was bringing the four characters. It was Bertie Bushfly, the Wandering Kangaroo, Peter Platypus and Darby Dingo. They were the That's four right. characters in the different books and you suggested I put them together in a party or something. I did, yes, that's right. And I wrote a book called Bushfire, which... Australian bushfire. So the four of them came together to rescue each other and work together as a team to um, save themselves from a bushfire. And uh, I was quite chuffed with that. Uh, they're fantastic books, and the illustrations complement the text so well too. They're yes, excellent. And a lot I have of the a great. Have I have a great time. illustrator in Spain, uh, Magdalena Almira Nasia, right. a, a very talented. She uh, is very young talented. Artist. Brilliant, brilliant illustrations. Um, 
Now, uh, you've also uh, been writing, um, and this, this comes back to your role as um, principal too at Berwick Lodge, uh, quotable quotes. Uh, right since you first started at Berwick Lodge in the newsletter, and uh, recently you've um, released a book too um, called Horizons with all your quotes in it as yeah, well. Yeah, well, that was another area I, I, I wanted to challenge my writing one day, so I just started writing um, quotable quotes for the newsletter because I love quotes. I think they, they're succinct, they're powerful and punchy, and they make you think. So I wrote some, oh, I started actually in 2001. I've been writing them ever since. And yes, Horizons, again, with the same illustrator, we've put together a book of 32 of them and um, fantastic we've got more books in the pipeline and we're we're looking to publish them there it's not about making money Robert my writing I, I don't see my my writing as being a commercial venture it's a hobby sure absolutely. and uh, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of out of um, writing my my quotes and uh, sharing them with and getting feedback that's good from time to time terrific so, um, so one more question about that. Yep. You also uh, published a um, book called Game On, uh, which again was your connection between with um, Berwick Lodge and uh, and putting your uh, writing skills to their test uh, a couple of years ago. That was all to do with the Burr or Building the Education Revolution scheme yep. uh, that uh, was happening at the time. Um, was that a difficult process to write that? book? Yes, it was, Robert. Um, the, the building education revolution for Berwick Lodge ran from 2009 to 2012, and it was the to date the biggest spending of money by any government on education. Uh, I think it was about uh, $16.2 billion. Right. That was an enormous amount of money. Right. And I took umbrage with the way it was being delivered in Victoria. I, I felt that we weren't getting value for money. It was a very secretive process and we didn't need another gym was the essence of why I ended mm. up writing that book because I had to fight with them to not have to have two gymnasiums at the school but rather have something that suited our needs which was a library classroom complex. Right. And the roadblocks and obstacles and the... Um, implied threats mm -hmm. along the way got my nose up and so we fought that campaign uh, and it uh, during the process I think it was Kevin Rudd's idea Julia Gillard inherited the hand pass she loved right. football and uh, she was full of football allegories. I think she's an avid bulldog supporter. Oh, she is, yeah. And she'd have enjoyed the dogs winning a flag a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, she, she said would. one time, I've got more chance of becoming Prime Minister. Uh, I've got more chance of becoming full forward for the bulldogs than Prime <laughs> Minister of Australia when she was the Minister for Education. Well, um, it was a difficult exercise because I'd never written a book as such. I write lots of articles and pieces, but not books. And a book is a marathon. Right. And I didn't have shape and form or clear direction so I wrote about 30,000 words twice and threw them in the bin wow. and uh, a good friend of mine a mentor of mine uh, Frank Marinko said to me one day we were sitting there in frustration in about 2010 or 11 and he said what's this book really all about this story Henry because it's a good story I said look it's just a political game that's all it is a political he said right you got it write it as a game <laughs> and so I took the cue from Julia Gillard and I called it Game On, Building the Education Revolution, and structured it as a football match over four years with uh, vignettes of football stories it's aligning, so well aligning to significant moments in our four-year battle, which is the four quarters of a football match. And it finishes up um, with a sort of a draw, really, for Berwick Lodge, I think. And mm. uh, I have a post-match conference with mm. the coach when... 
you finish up in a drawer. And yeah, I'm, a really clever way of presenting that story. Yeah. And uh, and I think it in time will become an historical document when people look back because uh, I don't think anyone else has written an insider's account and written it as an allegory to a football match, which is very much no, Victorian I, I, I sporting think it's culture. It is unique. And if listeners want to uh, download that book, it's on uh, Amazon uh, as an ebook, So it can be downloaded from there. Just look up Game On and Henry Grossack as the author. And uh, uh, all proceeds and any proceeds from that go to the Alana and Madeline Foundation. Uh, there's, uh, it's not a book that I, 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 I wish to make any money from. Because no, a very it's, worthy uh, cause. It's, it's, uh, they're a worthy cause and um, it belongs to the school, that story. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Henry. We're going to take a short break, listeners. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. My name is Rob Kelly, and I'm the digital technologist teacher at Berwick Lodge Primary School. Um, we took a short break. This is Henry Grossack's show, but uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, I'm actually uh, going to be asking Henry the questions in uh, this segment. So um, we've just spoken to Henry about being principal uh, of Berwick Lodge Primary School, also of being an author. Uh, I'm going to ask him now some questions about being the host of Viewpoints, this very show. Let's do something a little bit different. Sure. So, so Henry started 17 years ago yep. uh, with Casey Radio. Um, how did it all begin? Well, Neil Mitchell's got a lot to do with this. Okay. Uh, back in 2000, Neil Mitchell one day out of the blue rang the school, wanted to talk to me. Uh, apparently a deer had been escaped from a nearby farm and in escaping it was badly damaged. It ended up on our school oval and then right. into the nearby retarding basin in, in the swamps there. Right. And somebody had reported that a deer had landed at Berwick Lodge Primary School and somebody had shot its head off and blood, oh, blood, no. blood everywhere. <laughs> and he wanted to talk to me. So um, <laughs> I, I, I was always wary of Neil Mitchell because he, he does challenge school teachers and principals sure, is a good right, way of putting right, it. Right. Anyway, uh, and I hadn't been on radio before, so when I was a bit nervous, but when we started, uh, I thought, how can I start this? And Neil <laughs> said, hello, is it Henry Grossack? Bloody, bloody, blah. And just out of the blue, I said, look, before we start, Neil, I'd just like to reassure your listeners that this is Berwick Lodge Primary School, not the Berwick Lodge Abattoir. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and we had a great had interview a and it made him laugh. And when we finished and signed off and we... Because it, it didn't work out like that at all. It wasn't like that. Right. It was not really a story in that sense. Sure. Um, and when we finished off, I said, look, Neil, you're always invited out to Berwick Lodge. And <laughs> if you ever come out here, I'll make a point of uh, getting some uh, commercially produced uh, venison sandwiches for you. <laughs> and, and out of that, I thought um, I enjoyed it so much. And I thought about how our profession uh, is often inward-looking and right. defensive. And uh, if you're going to be in teaching a long time, you've got to cop a few brickbats about your holidays. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, for, and, and systemically, people love their schools, but they don't love the system. Right. And uh, I felt this would be a great vehicle for two things. One is children experiencing radio in an increasingly digital world, uh, and it would complement our, our literacy program so brilliantly in performing arts, and also a voice from right. someone in education in the community on broader issues. We're, we're not just chalkies, we're real people. Yeah, and right. We, we're leaders and we should engage. And so over a period of time, I eventually convinced the local radio station, KC Radio, to enter into an agreement with our school whereby our students have a student hour and some of them have moved on into careers in radio. Indeed. And it's become part of our multimedia program of which you and uh, Lachlan here are big parts and it's 
central. Right. I think it's, and then we got some money from the federal government under the Investing in Schools program, and we built a custom-made radio studio that is effectively a third studio to KC Radio, a That's leading right. community station, and our kids every week stream to the world. They do indeed at two o'clock on a Wednesday from two to uh, three p.m. Uh, they have the show, and that's been going many, many years now too. Many as well. years now. So, Henry, um, you've interviewed. Goodness me, countless, countless numbers of people on your show yes. over the 17 years. Uh, I won't get you to pick your favourite, but one of the more memorable interviews that you've had. Well, one of the more memorable interviews that I've had uh, would would align actually with Malcolm Fraser, the Prime Minister, right. who had, when he'd retired, he'd become a humanitarian. And it took me six months to get an interview with Malcolm. Wow. Uh, uh, Mr. Fraser, as he preferred to be called. Oh, right. Okay. And we lined it all up and the topic was clear. It was going to be about his humanitarian work uh, and links with Africa. Right. And it was a very tight schedule. Then when I rang him, uh, it was an intimidating interview. That's why it, it was memorable. <laughs> and I was on edge because here's a prominent person and you of want course. to make it work well. Of I was nervous. Make an impression. And um, I rang him two minutes before we go on to air and it's Mr. Fraser and da-da-da. Yes. And uh, he said to me, what's this interview all about? Yeah. I said, well, it's about um, aid to Africa and your humanitarian stance over there. And um, he said, no, I want to talk about rule of law. I oh. said, what? He said, rule of law. <laughs> Do you know anything about that? I said, well, yes, I do. He said, good. And then oh. I had a minute while we had an ad and oh, I no. didn't know about it. So I winged it wow. through wow. the 20-minute interview with him. But it was the most incredible interview I've ever had because it was really a monologue speech by <laughs> Malcolm Fraser. I think I only asked him about three questions, oh, wow. which was good on one level. But um, on another level, it wasn't as enjoyable a discussion as most others, no, but certainly a memorable one. And I, th I think it's worth noting sometimes, Robert, that mm. um, when we think memorable, there are many reasons. It was an honour to interview Malcolm Fraser and it led to some meetings we had later in other other areas it was an entree to things and uh, I really respected the man in later life right. um, not so much at the time of the dismissal <laughs> right. um, but uh, I think memorable can be memorable for reasons such as it tested you Oh, it stays in your mind for some reason. Uh, right. And, and it wasn't a horrible experience, but it was certainly daunting. <laughs> right. Well, that brings us to the end of this interview, Henry. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show to ask you some questions for a change. Well, I didn't have much choice because you turned up and said you weren't we don't prepared tell for the that. interview. <laughs> no, look, thank you, Robert. It was a nice little twist and uh, I hope the listeners get something from it. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Henry. We will be back after this short break. <laughs> 